What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. And you're listening to the Black Men in White Coats podcast, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. I am super excited about today's guest. It is Dr. Victor Sims. He's an internal medicine doc practicing out of the Houston, Texas area. Let me tell you, the first time I heard about Dr. Sims was through one of my my great high school friends, Alvin Payne, and they used to call me Oko in high school. And Alvin said, yo, Oko, you've got to meet Dr. Sims. I've got to introduce you to Dr. Sims. He's the man. you got to meet this guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Alvin, right? Because you guys can imagine people are always trying to introduce me to black male doctors because of what I do with black men in white coats. So he's like, no, Oko, I'm telling you. So I said, okay. So I chatted with Dr. Sims. And I'll tell you, from the second I heard his story, I was like, wow, all right, he's a man. <laughs> this is a guy right here. And you'll you'll see why when you hear his story, just where he came from, what he's achieved. And for me, the thing that's most important about it is, even at his level of success, the humility that he has with it, how humble he is of a person and telling the story. And you, you'll hear that through the story. I just think it's amazing. And I think this is one that parents should all make should make sure all of their kids listen to. Um, I, I, I really do feel is that impactful. And I, I do think, so let me just say this. I do all this. So you guys know me, you guys know, I do diverse medicine.com, diverse medicine.org, you know, black men and white coats. I got the books. I do, you know, all these things, but at the end of the day, for me, it all boils down to love and service, right? So the reason I help people become doctors is because I want them to love other people and serve other people with an emphasis, you know, doing it through the medium of healthcare, delivering excellent healthcare. If I help somebody become a doctor and they're not loving and they're not serving, I'm not sure that's a win. I'm not sure that that, that's not what I want. And that's what's important to me. And when I hear Dr. Sim's story, I hear those same things. And and that's why I appreciate it so much. You know, right off the bat, he's talking about service and serving people. And that's just that's amazing. And throughout the story, you'll just hear how humble he is. You hear where he came from. You'll hear how successful he's become, yet he's still that humble. So I love it. I could talk about that all day long because that's what's important to me. Um, but you'll hear the story yourself and you'll enjoy the story. Two quick announcements. So for any pre-medical student who is preparing to apply to medical school, or even if you're not preparing to apply yet, but you want to be ready to apply when it's your turn, we are doing a four-week webinar series, partnering with SNMA, doing a four-week webinar series, and we'll be doing application prep. This is the third year in a row we're doing this. We call it the application boot camp, and we'll be getting you ready. So as soon as the application is open, you'll be ready to submit your application. I'm going to put the link to register down in the description section of this podcast. And second announcement is I'm almost done with my next book. All right. So I'll be sending it out to you all here in the very near future for you know those who subscribe to our newsletter. And I'll send it out to you. Actually, what I'll do first is I'm not going to send the book out. Actually, let me correct myself. I'm not sending the book out. What I'll be sending out is the cover image. And I want you guys to help me vote. I have two choices. And I need you guys to help me pick which cover to use for the actual book when it's ready. So I'll be sending that out. I'm not sending the book out. Um, a few of you guys will get the book. I need some some beta readers, but the cover images I'll send out to everybody, and I would love for you guys to vote. All right, so those are my two announcements. I'm going to be quiet now because you all need to hear what Dr. Sims has to say. Check it out. My name is Dr. Victor Sims, and I am honored to have the opportunity to speak 
about my experience as a black man in a white coat. When I was asked to do this, I thought back over my life and experiences and then remembered what the importance of um, being a physician is about. Um, it's about service. It's about, for me, calling. And I think that it's important that we tell our story so that we're able to pass on uh, to future generations of black men in white coats this experience. Um, I decided to become a physician at the age of nine. and. Coincidentally, it was right around the time that I became a Christian. So I was saved at the age of nine, and a couple of months later, I felt like uh, medicine was my calling. And um, I grew up in a, a very strong family. I am the 11th of 13 children, uh, the first of which to go off to college, and I'll be the first physician. I, ha I am the first physician in our family as well. Um, but one big thing in our family was that uh, we were unified, that we were strong. I had both parents. And we grew up in a uh, community that was tough. Uh, lots of crime, uh, lots of uh, teenage pregnancy, lots of single-parent homes, and lots of murders and deaths. Uh, There's a lot of violence as well. I think that my faith and my family is what kept me grounded. And I also think that my faith and my family are also what uh, kind of guided me through uh, my education and also towards uh, the career of becoming a physician. So I knew I wanted to become a doctor, but did not know how. Um, I knew there were African-American physicians, and since there were black doctors, there had to be black medical students somewhere. I just didn't know how to go about it. Uh, always did well in school. I excelled in, f in school and also in sports, and in particular in football. And that competitiveness in me uh, made me academically competitive uh, as well as um, as competitive in athletics. A couple of things in my life that I think happened were significant along my journey. And one was that the influences of illness, morbidity, and mortality in our neighborhoods and in my own family. I noticed that in this heavily African-American populated uh, community that I grew up in, lots of people died early, uh, heart attacks and strokes, there were amputations uh, from people who had diabetes, and they were relatively young. Uh, you've seen people dying in their 60s and 50s and having life-altering health events. And uh, one of the reasons I felt like I would become a physician was that I would have the ability to influence those communities and influence and help uh, the people in our communities do better. There was approximately one African-American physician in most of the city that was well-known and internist. Uh, by the name of Dr. Brooks, and uh, he kind of took care of everybody that was African-American in, in our community. And what I learned from that was he had the ability to affect a lot of people with, you know, his individual uh, career. The other significant thing that happened was I had older grandparents, and during the course of one of my uh, grandparents becoming ill, I was able to meet and actually do rounds with one of the physicians and oncologists that took care of her. He noticed that I was interested in what he was doing when he was seeing my grandmother and asked if I would be interested in rounding with him. Of course, I jumped at the opportunity. Um, he had me, my father, bring me into the hospital and meet with him at seven in the morning. We did rounds. Uh, I went with him to his clinic. We came back, did more rounds, and also did some consults. And when my father came to pick me up at the end of the day, I told him that it was confirmation that what I felt like I was hearing from God and the desire at that time became even stronger because when I rounded with him, it seemed like an excellent fit. It seemed fun. 
It seemed interested. And I really loved the way he was able to care for the people that he was taking care of as his patients. Um, so now not only did I do well in school, but I did well in school because I had a purpose. Um, and I also knew that everything that I learned then was for keeps. I wasn't just learning to get through school or just making A's so that I can get, you know, uh, some money from my parents. But I did well and tried to learn because I knew that I would need that information later. Um, and the one thing that this particular physician, Dr. Adams, told me was you need to do well in school. You got to go to college and then you have to try to then get accepted to medical school to go forwards. So for the first time, I had someone kind of lay out to me a plan about how you go about becoming a physician. Another significant thing that happened to me in my early education was that at the seventh grade level, they began to bust the students in my community to another community on the other side of town. And it was a wealthier part of Fort Worth and uh, predominantly Caucasian middle school, but it was an excellent school. And um, the teachers that were there were great. The counselors were great. And one of the first things one of my teachers asked me is after we had been through about one or two uh, period grade periods was why wasn't I in uh, advanced placement or in Vanguard classes? And my response to her was, what are those? Um, I learned that there were classes that were geared towards people who showed that they had a lot of aptitude, uh, that they were challenging. But at the same time, you got to learn great stuff, uh, things that weren't necessarily taught and some of the other regular classes. Um, she also made the note that my fundamentals, my reading and writing and math skills were good. And that's important because um, what we found out is that uh, probably about the fifth grade, you need to be taking the appropriate math and sciences if you're gonna have a career, uh, not only in medicine, but any of the applied sciences. And so I enrolled in some Vanguard classes and some of the advanced placement classes, and they were challenging. But I still did well in school and also learned that uh, they were fun and it was interesting. It was stimulating. And I continued to to look towards what I wanted to do in the future. The second thing that happened when we switched schools was that I had a lot of classmates around me that were also very smart. They were very driven and they had uh, an experience that I hadn't had. And that is that they had parents that were physicians or were professionals. And so automatically in their mind. They knew, hey, I can be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, or I'm going to be a judge because my dad's a doctor or a lawyer or a judge. And the next step for them was college. And they were planning for, parents were saving for, and starting to decide on what colleges they were going to go to, even during the time period when we were in the seventh grade. And it actually made me think at the same time that if these students were going to go to school, I had the best grades in the school that I could also go to college. And so it made things more possible and also gave me confirmation that this was something that I could do. Uh, and from, again, so now I had a, a goal in mind, a vision, uh, a dream of what I wanted to do, but also some confirmation from several sources that it was possible. And so those were, those were great confirmatory things for me as I started to look towards uh, college and then eventually medical school. Uh, another event that happened at that time was when we finished that junior high school is that I was not allowed to go to the high school uh, in that same area, R.L. Pasco High School in Fort Worth. The school was right down the street from Texas Christian University, what was considered to be the best public school in Fort Worth at the time. 
And um, all of the students that I had went to the middle school with and junior high school with were going to that particular high school. There were a couple of other private schools in Fort Worth, but they were very expensive. And with my family's income, I knew I couldn't afford them. And um, I was told I had to go to the school in our community or in our neighborhood. And I had, by this time, several of my older brothers and sisters had finished from that high school and told me that with my grades and aptitude that I should consider trying to find a way to go to another school. So I tried to transfer to Pasco High School and was uh, told that I had to go to the school in my neighborhood. So I made a compromise and I went to the high school that was downtown Fort Worth, which could accept students from pretty much any part of the city. Name of the school was Trimble Tech. And I remember going there. It was predominantly black and Hispanic school. Um, but what I learned was during the time I was in the very good middle and junior high school, I'd taken many of the classes that were being taught that first year at this particular high school. And I remember uh, being in that school and, and making straight hundreds and never taking a book home. Uh, actually kind of worried my parents, my mother in particular, because I wasn't taking any books home and, and she thought I might be going down the wrong path, but I was making straight hundreds. And the thing that that taught me was that all schools are not created equal and that uh, although we feel like they should be created equal, they are not. And that had to kind of be active in my and proactive, actually, in my education and not just reactive or just kind of get through school. Uh, haphazardly. And so it just so happened as during that course of that first semester uh, at Trimble Tech, one of my teachers from my junior high school was doing substitute teaching and was teaching a class at Trimble Tech. So I ran into her and she goes, what are you doing at the school? I told her the story and she told me that the principal at my junior high school was now the principal at the high school that I wanted to go to at R.L. Pascal. She made a phone call or two and then that principal reached out to me and set up a meeting with myself and my father. And we met with him. He made two phone calls and I was in the school that I wanted to go to. Another thing that happened that was interesting during that time period was he sent a counselor from the high school that I wanted to go to to pick me up, to get me uh, out of the school that I was attending and to enroll me in Pasqual High School where I wanted to attend. And this particular counselor was going to be my counselor. She was, I thought, pretty uh, derogatory. And she was also, I think, uh, uh, biased when she told me African-Americans didn't do well at this school, that um, I probably would, would fail or have struggles, and that I was probably making the wrong decision in making that, that transfer. It just so happens that one of the other uh, counselors, uh, a lady by the name of Marjorie Major, who was African-American, overheard that conversation and then became my counselor. Um, and I remember graduating the week of graduation, taking the summa cum laude uh, list, of which there was three of us, down and showing her that I had become a summa cum laude graduate. And I made the statement that she should probably not say that to uh, any other students because it could be discouraging. I use it as fuel, but I felt like that many students would hear that and then also feel like that they could not accomplish or be successful at this high school. When I got to Pasco, uh, the high school was great. It was challenging because I felt like I was a semester behind, um, but I did well. Uh, didn't make straight hundreds, but I still made all A's. But the learning was incredible. I, we had great counselors. We had 
uh, great opportunities. We had great advanced placements and Vanguard classes. Uh, they were challenging, but at the same time, they were very supportive and you could go as far as your mind could take you. And I felt like it was a huge step in the preparation for college and the preparation for what I wanted to do. Radford Gregg was the name of the principal of the high school. And upon graduation, I graduated uh, in as a top-ranked student in our school. Uh, we had three, uh, two other summa cum laude graduates. And I remember graduating, he gave me the honors for the top student in the school. And <clears throat> he gave me a copy of a book called On Doctoring. Uh, I still have it today. Uh, a, a school, uh, it's a book actually that most medical students receive when they start their first year. He signed it, and on the inside of it, he says, "I'm no, I'm sure that you will be able to accomplish your dreams," and uh, that was very inspiring to me. Uh, so high school was a great learning opportunity. It was a great exposure opportunity for me, and I think that exposure uh, and mentors, people around you that can tell you how to get to where you want to go, is crucial. Also, I learned from my high school experience that um, the expectations that you set for yourself, they need to be reasonable, but they still need to be uh, towards the goal that you want to reach. It's important that every kid have a dream or a plan uh, and also that you know how to make that plan come into fruition. Um, from that point, I knew the next step for me was college and um I applied to multiple schools, got accepted into a lot of schools, but then I had to think about uh, the concept of what it would cost to go to school. And if you're going to go to medical school, you know that you would incur at least uh, college and a medical school education. And so you would be paying for both undergraduate and then graduate level uh, training and education as well. And so I applied to many schools, got scholarships to many places, and then Three of the uh, students that I played football with and had been going to school with since the seventh grade were going down to Texas A&M to have a look at the school. And I had not done any college visits at that time, had gotten a lot of scholarship offers. And one of those students' fathers told me that I should go. And not only did I go with them, he had the ability to set up for me a tour of Texas A&M's medical school. So I got there and... Uh, the number of, of African-American students was very low, but I was also being recruited to go into the College of Science, um, which was kind of this particular program was geared towards trying to increase the number of minorities in the College of Science. And once I got to A&M and got to walk around and experience the, the unity of the school, uh, that if you're an Aggie, you're an Aggie, no matter where you're from and what your background is and what your history was, that was very encouraging to me. And when I uh, toured the medical school and actually got to see it, that was the closing factor. I left that that weekend knowing that that's where I wanted to go to college. And again, Texas A&M was a great place. Uh, I felt like, again, my education was uh, was challenging, but it was fun. And I took a lot of great classes that I felt like would prepare me for medical school, met a lot of people. And I had I became roommates with those three uh, students that I had known from junior high school. Uh, and one other student ended up going to Texas A&M at the same time I did. A close friend of mine now that ended up going to medical school with me. We've been friends since the since the seventh grade. And um, it was a great experience. Um, I think the thing that I learned the most about college was uh, now you have to really be deliberate in planning 
what your next step would be after you got out of school. Um, my sophomore year in college, I joined a organization and A&M that was geared towards preparing pre-health students for graduate school called uh, the Minority Association of Pre-Health Aggies. And I would later become the president of this organization. And during that time period, we brought speakers in to speak to students and kind of talk about career paths, et cetera. I got the chance to meet the first African-American medical student that I'd ever met. He was a a second-year student in uh, Texas A&M's medical school, very encouraging. Um, He was the only one in his school, um, but was also uh, very uh, helpful in giving me resources and helping me draw out a pattern for how I would take the next step to becoming a physician. So, uh, again, the main thing there was to learn all you could, uh, to prepare deliberately which classes you would take, and uh, to get yourself ready for medical school. So I finished med school, I finished uh, college in 1992. I graduated the top student in the College of Science, graduated summa cum laude, and I carried the flag or the gonfalon at uh, my graduation from Texas A&M. Got accepted to all the schools in Texas. I didn't apply to Texas Tech, but all the other schools in Texas. And I applied to Johns Hopkins, uh, of which I got a second interview but did not end up getting accepted to. Uh, funny story, that's what in, it infuriated my father that I wasn't accepted into this Ivy League school. So um, decided that I was going to go to Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. At the time of the 124 medical schools in the country, Baylor was ranked number 10. And my dilemma was between Baylor College of Medicine and Southwestern in Dallas, which was ranked 15th in the country. Again, very good schools. Um, But again, I felt led when I came and visited uh, Baylor College of Medicine in Houston that this was the place I was supposed to come and uh, further my medical education. And so I felt like I was just that step closer to becoming uh, a doctor. Um, So interestingly enough, when I came to Baylor College of Medicine in 1992, I found out that I was the only African-American student matriculating in my first year class. There was 177 students. Uh, half of which were Ivy League students had never seen the, the inside of a public school. When I tell you they were bright, they were brilliant. They were the best of the best. Four old students from uh, from Harvard and Johns Hopkins and Yale and Princeton. And again, it was academically challenging. Uh, one thing that I did experience there that I'd never experienced before was I had some educators in my medical school that were blatantly racist and uh, that was something I'd never experienced before because I felt like no matter what, uh, st- teachers that were really interested in trying to take care and see their students do best, uh, race didn't matter. But that was an exception when I got to Baylor. I, I felt like there were certain students, and, and we knew that there were certain students who did not want to see African Americans excel and felt like that we were there simply because of affirmative action. There was about eight students in the entire school that were African American. In my class, I was the only one. There were seven Hispanic students in my class. But I made another very strong friendship during that time period as well. There was a Mexican-American student by the name of David David Aguilar, and David was brilliant. He had actually gotten into A&M in three years with a 4.0. I got into Baylor College of Medicine in three years with a 4.0 grade point average. When we finished our first year, at Baylor College of Medicine, he received three degrees from Texas A&M, and he was brilliant. We had very similar backgrounds from humble beginnings, uh, but again, he had 
excelled academically. Uh, we became friends almost instantly, and uh, he did well in school as, as well as I did. He would become uh, one of my closest friends going forward from that period of time. We studied together. Uh, we spent a lot of time making sure that we knew concepts together. We challenged each other. We encouraged each other. And so I think the biggest thing I learned in medical school was that you cannot go about this process alone. You have to have friends. You have to have encouragers. And you need to have people that can help you uh, directly on the ground as well as mentors to kind of guide you. Uh, David and I became active on the admissions committee because we wanted to see what things we could do to increase the numbers of minorities uh, in Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, we got to work with a dean that Baylor recruited, a Dr. James Phillips, to help increase the numbers at Baylor College of Medicine, and we did that. We traveled around the country. We sought out those very strong um, pre-med students uh, to come and look at Baylor College of Medicine. We recruited them. We got Baylor College of Medicine to reinstitute uh, or reinstate a uh, minority scholarship uh, for students who were not only minority students, but also were uh, were impoverished or had exceptional need. And those students were able to come to Baylor and thrive. We did summer programs uh, for undergraduate students to strengthen their MCAT scores and their ability to interview, as well as their aptitude, uh, and it worked well. By the time I left Baylor, there were approximately 10% of the class was minority students. And then at one point, they had gotten up to where 15% of their classes were minority students. And these weren't just minority students. These were the best of the best students. And so we got to make a contribution. So in addition to uh, learning in med school that you had to have other people around you to help support you, you have to also be able to give back and also be able to help others. So in 1996, I graduated from medical school and had reached the goal of becoming a physician. And, uh, and that was a surreal day. Both my parents were there and my whole family was there. And uh, it actually kind of helped me put some, some things into perspective and also see some things coming in the future. So I did internal medicine residency at Baylor. Stayed there, and uh, again, the numbers were low. Uh, there were five of us in a class of about 66. When I say five of us, five African-American physicians in a class of about 66 internal medicine uh, residents. Again, but Baylor was a great place to train. I learned well, excelled, and learned how to teach. And by learning how to teach, I had the ability to also reach back and then help other people that were trying and striving to become physicians. Um, Finished my residency in 1999, and then I decided to do a fellowship in primary care research. And that fellowship gave me two things. It gave me the ability to be able to read and understand research studies, but it also gave me the ability to do something that I wanted to do as a child. And that is, it gave me the ability to study and learn about communities and how to impact the health of communities. I got a master's in public health uh, with an emphasis in health services organization. And I would later use that uh, to go out to speak to communities and to uh, schools and undergraduate schools uh, on career days, health fairs, and also help uh, local health services and community uh, organizations to help improve the health in, in, uh, in communities, and in particular, underserved minority communities. And so when I finished that fellowship in 2001, I joined the Kelsey Siebel Clinic. And there I've been now for almost 18 years. Uh, 
Uh, during that time process, I've become the chief of the internal medicine department, which is the largest department at the Kelsey Siebel Clinic. I have approximately uh, 85 doctors that work under me in that department. Um, I also have had the, the, the opportunity and the privilege to serve on its board of directors for nine years. And I've also served as and still serve as the managing physician at one of the the 19 clinics that they have in their system, the Kelsey Sebo Clinic in Pasadena. It's been an excellent experience. Uh, I continue to learn and to grow. Um, but one of the, the purposes of, of emphasis is to try to see what things can be done to improve the number of underrepresented minorities and in particular African-Americans uh, that become physicians. And so it's been a great uh opportunity and privilege to go and do career days, to speak to students on levels from elementary school all the way through uh, medical school and even into residency to mentor and uh, and be active in organizations that reach out to these particular uh, groups. One of the reasons why it's so important that we have um, African-Americans, and in particular with this organization, African-American men going to medicine, is because we have to be representative of the people that we take care of. And African-Americans make up approximately 13% of the population in the U.S., but we make up less than 6% of its physicians. Why is that important? Because you see disparities in healthcare across the country. And some of that is, is, is due to the way the system is set up. Some of it is secondary to the fact that we just don't have enough diversity in our physician populations. And so, one of the purposes and one of the goals of uh, black men in white coats is to increase those numbers of African-American men uh, who go into medicine, who are successful in medicine. And the need is great for, for, for that because the community still has chronic health issues that need to be addressed and need to be addressed by us. We have to take the initiative upon ourselves to go back into the communities to improve the health of our communities. And as a physician, uh, who is African-American also feels my duty to reach back and encourage others like me uh, and tell them that it can be done no matter how humble your beginnings, no matter how many obstacles, no matter how many things you have to overcome, you can become a physician. Uh, it's possible. And I look forward to working with organizations like this to improve uh, those numbers and to encourage young people to go into medicine and to excel and become physicians. So this is my story, uh, my podcast. My name is Victor Sims, and I am a black man in a white coat. Now tell me that didn't make you want to be a doctor. If you're already a doctor, tell me that didn't make you want to be a better doctor. Amazing. That's what medicine's about. You know, like I said, you can just hear it again. Love service, love service, love service. That's what it's about to me. And I can hear that coming out of Dr. Sims' story. And, and I'm very grateful that he took the time to share that with you all because that's what we need to hear, guys. Right. That's why I started this podcast, because the next generation needs to hear people like Dr. Sims. This is what's going to make healthcare better. I'm adamant about that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. This stories like this, people like this, that's how healthcare gets better in America. That's how the underserved communities get served. Love and service. Love and service critical critical you know a lot of other great things in this episode and one of the ones that i want students to get and parents actually students and parents to, to definitely get is he talks about when he was in medical school one of the most important things that he learned 
was you can't do this alone. You cannot do this alone. And obviously, I work with a lot of pre-medical students. And what I find some of them trying to do is this alone. And you can't do that. It's too difficult. So I want to reiterate that point about having accountability and, and having community and having support. Don't try to do this journey alone. It's too difficult. Much too difficult. All right. Build a support system around you. And that will help you achieve the dreams you are out to achieve. All right, everybody. Remember about the webinar series will be coming up uh, starting May 8th. Partner with SNMA to do this. And we're helping everybody get ready for the event school applications. Take advantage. The link to register is in the description. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week with another great episode. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, shoot us an email at podcast at black men and white coats. And if you have any other feedback, go ahead and shoot us an email at info at black men and white coats. Thank you guys so very much for listening. I love you guys. Have a great week. Yeah.